0: praise God. Do you love him tonight? Amen. Amen. Give him a good praise. Hallelujah. Give him a good praise. Well, praise the Lord. Man, I tell you, such a sweet, sweet presence of the Lord here tonight. The gifts of the Spirit, the Lord uh, ministering to us through the through the gifts of the Spirit tonight, speaking to His church, encouraging and uplifting us, Amen. That's the purpose of those gifts: is to edify, exhort, and to comfort the church, to encourage the church, Amen. Praise God, Sister Kay. Was this the book you you brought? Um, okay, um, Sister Kay. When when I taught this. In Sunday school a number of years ago, um, we taught from this book uh, on the bait of Satan. And uh, probably everybody in the class, most everybody bought one of those. And so if you don't have one and would like one, Sister Kay's is going to offer this. So I guess... I don't know, we draw straws or just, you can come up and see me after church, but if you'd like that to study from. um, I'm not teaching through the whole thing. I did in Sunday school. There's 14 chapters in that book, and I squeezed 14 chapters into 13 weeks, if you can believe that. And I did it. Uh, we did it. But, uh, but it was a good study. And we had, uh, man, I tell you, it really ministered to the church. And so anyway, I felt led to do it again on Wednesday night for those that maybe weren't in that class, didn't get to hear it. And uh, like I said, we're not going through the whole thing, but I'm just kind of moving along and, and hitting some of the high spots of that teaching on the bait of Satan. But uh, we want to continue that this evening. And uh, uh, you can be opening your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And you know, last week was such a really important lesson, I felt, because last week we dealt with Uh, People becoming offended and leaving the church because of offense. Remember that? And uh, that's something that goes on all the time in in every church. I don't think there's a church on the face of this earth that's exempt from people becoming offended and leaving through offense. And so we talked about that last week, and it was such an important lesson. We talked about people that have become spiritual vagabonds. And, uh, you know, we made, uh, we, we, we made the point, the statement, that churches are not cafeterias. Remember that? It's not, just, it's not a cafeteria line uh, where you just go through and you just pick what you want and leave what you don't want. But, um, but, but, but because there is no perfect church and there is no perfect pastor, right? Amen. I'm not the one. I'm not it. Don't think. Don't don't never get that idea. And because Jesus is the only perfect pastor, but we talked about the the fact that, and I just want to just refresh just a little bit on this because we talked about um, we talked about how that that if the Lord has planted you in a church, then you need to stay in that church until the Lord moves you or or releases you or directs you to leave that church, right? And I'm always praying that God would send those whom He wants to be a part of this church and plant them here at Abundant Life Family Church because you can only flourish and blossom and produce fruit where God has planted you. So, so, So if God plants you somewhere... And, and you uproot and go somewhere else and plant there for a while and then uproot and go somewhere else. A plant that's constantly being uprooted and replanted is not going to be fruit bearing at all. And so uh, there's a right way to leave a church. There's a wrong way to leave a church. And, um, but most people leave the wrong way because most of the time when people leave, it's because they've been offended either by the pastor, by somebody else, um, and you know, it's not our intention to offend anybody at all. I don't think that a true Christian, it's your att- intention to offend anybody. And so that's why Jesus told us, offenses are going to come, just look out, so, but you've got to deal with it. Because, because it, it, this is why we're teaching this, because there's a right and a wrong way to handle offense. And offense is... Offense is the scandalon. Remember the Greek word? The Greek word scandalon. What what English word do you think we get from that Greek word? Scandal, right? And the scandalon is in that Greek word scandalon, it's the part of a trap where the bait is attached whether it's whatever kind of trap it is, you know, they tie that bait in there, they go in there and get a hold of it and pulls the stick out and the trap falls on them, whatever kind of trap it is, if it's a mouse trap, whatever, but it's the place where the bait is attached. And offense is the bait that Satan uses to bring you into that place where you're entrapped and ensnared. And as long as a person is in offense and, and in that place where they're offended at somebody else and allows that to be a part of their life, they're in, a, they're in a snare, they're in a trap that you have to be freed from, that we have to be freed from. We can't allow that to continue to, to be in our heart and in our life. We've got to forgive, we've got to move on, we've got to make things right. That's the important thing. So, um, so, when, so, so when God places us in a church... We're not the one that chooses where we go to church. I think that 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 should be God's decision. God chooses where we go. God places us where He wants us to be. The Bible says that that God has set the members in the body as it pleases Him. So I believe that every one of you, that the Lord, even those that don't come on Wednesday night, that are a part of Abundant Life Church, God has sent them here, brought them here, planted them here, rooted them here. So it would be Satan's job to try to uproot if, if, if you're rooted and planted where God wants you to be planted, Satan's job then is to try to uproot you and move you, right? All right. There are times when God will move a person. There are times when you, when you have to leave because of certain situations. But God, and I want to stress this, God, the Holy Spirit... The Lord Jesus will be the one that will, that will move you and tell you. And when He does that, it'll be done in the right way. Okay? I read that scripture, Isaiah fifty-five twelve last week says, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. So that's the way, that's the proper way to leave. You leave with joy and you leave with peace and you don't leave mad and you don't leave fussing and you don't leave cussing. That's a good one. Now, you don't leave fussing, you don't leave cussing, you don't leave causing trouble, you don't leave mad at the preacher or anybody else. All right, Are you with me? Yes. So, you know, I just wanted to, 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 to reiterate that and, uh, and remind you that's so good because tonight we want to talk about the rock of offense, the rock of offense. You know, who, and it's, it, it's going to surprise you, maybe, maybe not, who that rock of offense is. So I had you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse number 6. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 6. Peter says this, Behold I lay, he's quoting from uh, one of the, excuse me, one of the Psalms. I believe it's 110th Psalm. I'm not positive, but uh 1 Peter chapter 2, 6, he's quoting from the Psalms, Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he who believes on Him by no means shall be put to shame. Therefore to you who believe... Now notice this. Who is the chief cornerstone, by the way? Jesus Jesus is. And so verse 7, He says, Therefore to you who believe, He is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That's the part from Psalm 110. Verse 8 says, and a stone of stumbling, and notice this, and a rock of offense. Now who's the chief cornerstone? Jesus. Who's the stone that was rejected by the builders that's become the chief cornerstone? Jesus. So then who's the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense? Jesus. Jesus. Isn't that what he says? The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. They stumble and are offended because they don't want to obey what the Lord has to say. Now the meaning of obedience... I'm sorry, the meaning of the word believe, because he mentions the word believe here to those who believe he is precious. And the meaning of that word believe in the, in the culture we're living in, the 21st century that we're in today, has been really weakened a lot. Because the, when, when the Bible talks about believing, what people think believing is today and what the Bible talks about believing are two different things altogether. Because to many people, to believe, you know, uh, just means to acknowledge a certain fact. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, that's true. I believe that. And it has nothing to do with obedience whatsoever. But in this text that I've read to you here from 1 Peter tonight, the word believe and disobedient are represented as opposites. Did you notice that in that text? The word believe and the word disobedient. Look at verse 7. Therefore to you who believe Jesus is precious, but to those who are disobedient. So the word believe and the word disobedient um, are represented as opposites. Now, you know, the Bible teaches us, John 3, 16, we all know that for God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever, what? Believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the Bible tells us that to have everlasting life, to be saved, we have to believe. We have to put our faith in Jesus and believe. But many think... That uh, that word believe, when they think about believing, they think that all is rec- that all that that word entails and requires is that they just believe that Jesus existed and that Jesus lived and yeah. But be- do you believe Jesus is the son of God? Yeah, I believe he's the son of God. But a lot of people believe Jesus is a son of God the same way that they believe George Washington was the first president. It's just a historical thing. You know, well, do you believe George Washington, first president? Yeah, I believe that. Well, do you believe Jesus, son of God? Yeah, I believe that. Well, you know, so, but do you believe that he died on Calvary? Yeah, I believe that. Well, a lot of people will say that and they believe it from a historical kind of a view. They believe it as a fact, but that's not the kind of believing that the Bible talks about that gets us born again, gets us into the family of God. If that were the only kind of believing that was required to be saved, if that was the only requirement, then demons could be saved. Then demons would be saved. Because James even says in James chapter 2 that that you believe there's one God, you do well. He said the, the devils believe and tremble. Well, those devils aren't saved. But they believe in Jesus. You know, all through the Gospels, you see the, the uh, instances where, de- where people possessed with demons would fall down at the feet of Jesus and say, oh, you're the Son of God. Have you come to torment us before the, the time? They confessed Him as the Son of God. They knew who He was. They believed in Him, but they weren't born again. They weren't saved. Are you with me? So, the word believe in Scripture means more than just to acknowledge the existence or give mental assent to something. The main element of believing is obedience. Let me say that again the main element of believing is obedience to really believe in Jesus as your savior and and to experience that born again experience it involves then like we talked about Sunday morning you know, becoming a disciple obeying believing and obeying all all go together you can read that verse number 7 there it's uh, this way and you can you, let me let me just read verse number 7 and substitute the word obey for the word believe Therefore, to you who obey, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the, chief, of the uh, chief cornerstone. So you see how believing there represents obedience. They're synonymous because he said, you either believe, if you don't believe, you're disobedient. Can you, can you see that? And, I, and I'm, That's just clear as mud, isn't it? You know, you can <laughs> <amen. laughs> But here's the thing. Now, notice this. Peter's writing this, and, and because the Israelites, the Lord's, Je- the Jewish people, God's chosen people, you know, God sent Jesus to the, to the, to the house of Israel, but the Israelites, what did they do? They rejected God's chief cornerstone. They rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. They rejected the free gift of God. They rejected their hope and they rejected their salvation. They weren't obedient. They didn't believe. And that, that, that free gift of God became a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to them and still is to this day because they refused Him and they refused that, that, that chief cornerstone. The stone that those big Builders rejected. Who were those builders? The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the the scribes of that day, the Sadducees, the religious group that that knew the Scriptures better than anybody. Those those builders rejected that stone. Jesus was a stone. Why did they reject Him? He was a stone of offense to them. He was an offense to them. And, you know, we talked about a little bit about that a couple of Sundays ago, you know, on Sunday morning about how that even his people, you know, his disciples, they couldn't accept the fact when he got to talking about going to the cross, Peter shook him and said, don't talk like that. And he was an offense to Peter when he got to talking about the cross. So, um, so, So Jesus becomes the chief cornerstone, but he's an offense to the... Israelite people, and to their leaders. Simeon uh, prophesied when Jesus was eight days old, and they took Jesus to the temple to have Him uh, presented before the Lord, and uh, when He was a baby, and Simeon came in there in Luke chapter 2 and prophesied, and he said, "...behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel." See, the one, and here's what he was talking about. Jesus made mention of this. The one who was given to bring peace to the world, which was Jesus. At his birth, you know, the angels announced peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Isn't that right? Amen. But, 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 and listen, that's all going to be fulfilled. He came to bring that. And we can have that now in our lives today, but we don't see that peace fulfilled in the world yet, do we? Thank God the day is coming when the prince of peace will come and rule and reign in this earth and there will be peace on earth. Hallelujah and goodwill toward men. But the one that was given, the Lord Jesus, that that great rock, the Lord Jesus, to bring peace to the world, ended up, what did he bring? A sword and he brought a division. And Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34, he he said, I don't think I've come to bring peace to the earth, but I haven't come to bring peace but a sword because I've come to set a, uh, you know, a, a, a son against his mother and, you know, he goes down the line. He said, I came to bring, I'm going to bring division. That's kind of a hard pill for us to swallow, isn't it? But we see that happening all the time. There's division today in this, in this nation of ours. Big time over... You claim Jesus as your Lord. You're going you're to have some folks that ain't going to like you. Amen? But that's okay. Because Jesus becomes, to those who are obedient... He's the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation stone. He's the rock, the stone which those builders rejected, but he's become my rock and my Lord. But to everybody else, he's a rock. Those who are disobedient, who believe not, who will not obey, to, to them he's a rock of offense. And we're all familiar with, we have saw pictures of Jesus, you know, even in Sunday school and stuff when we were kids. And I can remember the pictures of Jesus Jesus, you know the sh- the good shepherd and he's got the little lamb to his breast and he's taking care of the little lamb and we we see the pictures and the paintings of Jesus gathering the children around him and laying his hands on them. I, I remember pictures in a, in a pictorial um, story Bible that I had as a kid and, and all the little children sitting on the lap of Jesus and he's got his arm around them, he's blessing them, you know. And, and we know Jesus as being the Jesus of love and of compassion and he healed the sick and he, he cleansed the lepers and he brought goodwill every place that he went and he was healing and helping and loving and compassionate and that's the, the, the Jesus we think about and, and all those accounts of Jesus are true. He is all of those things. Nobody, as we used to sing that song, nobody can love me like Jesus. <laughs> Amen. He's, he's full of that love. But that doesn't give, though, that, what I just described to you doesn't give the whole picture of who Jesus is because that same Jesus that was full of love and compassion and healing and blessing and all those good things that same Jesus was the same Jesus that was set aside by those builders in Israel because he denounced them for their self-righteousness. This same Jesus who was so loving and kind and gentle and, 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 and the children wanted to be around him was the same Jesus that stood up and looked at the, in the eye of the religious leaders of that day, and said, You are snakes. Yeah. Yeah. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Jesus said that to the religious leaders. You think I preach, I don't, I never preach that hard. <laughs> <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Praise God. I mean, but, but this same Jesus that's loving and kind denounced those religious... This is the same Jesus that you read about in John chapter 2 that took a, that took a bunch of leather cords and made himself a whip listen to me, he made himself a whip and he went into the temple and he started driving out the money changers and kicking over the tables and knocking over the, 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 the uh, cages with the doves and all of that. And he drove them out and said, don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. He was angry. Did he see him? No. No, not in that. He didn't. Here's the Jesus that, that, that had a man come and said, I, you know, Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, I, you know, but a son of man doesn't have any place to lay his head. And this man come to him and said, I want to follow you. I'm going to follow you everywhere you go. And Jesus said, but he said, but first I got to go bury my, my father's died and I got to go have a funeral. And Jesus said, you let the dead bury their dead. Now this is that loving Jesus you let the dead go bury their dead. You, you come and take your cross up and you follow me now. In other words, he said, nothing can, should stand in your way of putting me first and loving me. That was an offense to people. That's still an offense today. When you preach, like I did Sunday morning, And telling, you know, we had a little discussion already here before church. Can a person be a Christian and still not be a disciple? They can start out that way, but I don't believe they'll they'll last. That offends people. I'll never get done with this lesson tonight. But listen, when you look closely at the life and the ministry of Jesus, it reveals... His ministry reveals a man who offended a lot of people while he ministered. Now listen to what I'm saying to you. He offended a lot of people. And he offended them because he told them the truth and because he required something of them. It wasn't his intention to offend them. The offense came because they wouldn't receive what, the truth that he was trying to give to them. And there's a lot of people that get offended today because of the truth. See, in the world, there is no absolute truth in the world today. It's just, you know, everybody's got their own truth. Well, what's true for me may not be true for you, but I'm going to tell you, there is absolute truth, and it's in the Word of God. The Word of God is absolute truth, and it's not subjective to what you think or what I think. It is true, and it don't matter what anybody else says or what anybody else says. Well, that may be true to you, but it's not true. Well, it's true if Jesus said it. If it's in the Word of God, it is so. Can I get an amen here tonight? Amen. But Jesus offended the he offended many in his ministry He offended as I mentioned the Pharisees he confronted them and offended them and that's the reason that they had him crucified they hated Jesus so much because of how he offended him but Jesus loved those Pharisees he even loved those Pharisees and they were offended because of what he said, but he loved them so much that he told them the truth. He, he told them, you're not going to heaven the way that you are. You think you're right, but you're not right. That's what Jesus was telling them. You're not ready. That's what he was telling them. And they hated him for that. They were offended at him. In Matthew 15, 7, Jesus said, here's, here's the way he talked to these religious leaders. And again, Compare this with my preaching. I'm I'm, I'm easy (laughs) going. Jesus said to them, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That statement offended them. Because notice what Jesus' disciples said to him or asked him after he said that in verse number 12 of Matthew 15. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard your saying? You offended them, Jesus. Don't do that. You're making them mad. They don't want to hear that. Jesus, why do you do that? <laughs> Well, we're having fun tonight. Anybody else having fun? Don't you know that they were offended at that saying? Well, how did Jesus respond to that? Look, look, yeah, yeah, pretty much. But look look at look at Jesus' response in Matthew 15:13. He said, "Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted." And then notice what he said, "Let them alone." They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the ditch. This is Jesus, the loving, lowly, tender, humble, precious Jesus that said, you let them alone. They just want Jesus. You know why Jesus said that? They just want Jesus to go back and apologize to them said well you know I really didn't mean that you guys are really okay he said leave them alone that's the way they are so Jesus showed here that offense now listen to this Jesus showed in those verses that offense will actually purge those who are not truly planted by the father isn't that what he said Go back up with me to verse 13. Every plant which my Heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. They had become offended. So, so that's, those who are not truly planted by the Father, Offense offenses will uproot them and purge them out. Now we're getting into some deep water here. You know, I preached on the river Sunday night, so we're gonna f- let's wait on out a little bit, all right? Yeah. Some people join churches and become a part of churches that have not been sent to that church by God and are a part of churches that are not, those individuals, those people are not of God. Better take my glasses off so I can see what I'm getting here. This is good Wednesday night stuff. All right? But that's true. We've had folks come through here that were not sent here by God and definitely were not of God. I'll just leave that right there. But the offense then comes when truth is preached, and it reveals the true motives of those individuals for being in that congregation. And it will cause them the truth then, will cause them to uproot themselves and say, "Well, I can't stay around here." Well, this is rough tonight. Help me Jesus. But some people have to be uprooted. That's right. Jesus said the wheat and the tares grow together. God's the one that does the uprooting. Come on. I've never, I've never had to go to anybody that I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm running this through my mind. I've never had to go to anybody in my ministry in my years of pastoring and say, don't come back here. Never had to. God's always took care of that. But don't think it hadn't come close. It <laughs> it has come close. But, but, I, but I learn, I've learned to, to wait on the Lord and let the Lord take it and let the Lord have it. And I found out that if you'll obey the Holy Ghost and preach the truth, that the truth will uproot the ones that need to be uprooted. And the Holy Ghost knows how to move them on down the road. Amen. I'm wanting to say so many things, but I can't. Many pastors, and here's the thing, when, and I've been, I've experienced this myself, but many pastors grieve over people who leave a church. And um, most instances, they were, upset the individuals or because the truth was preached and became critical and left and 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 pastors grieve over people leaving. I've done that myself in the past. I think any pastor will do that. Most people that have left I've grieved. Some I've rejoiced. <laughs> <laughs> but most you do because you know you develop relationships. And pastors, as a pastor, I don't want to see anybody leave a church. But sometimes it's necessary for there to be a purging and a pruning. Because the, the plant, you know, we've said this before, the plant has to have the dead stuff cut away before it can flourish. It has to be pruned. Jesus talked about that in, in John chapter 15. Are you with me? You know that that's, that's the way that it is but let me me give you a truth here tonight, and that's this. For a pastor to keep and to hold on to everyone who comes through the doors of that church, and and let me say this. If we here at Abundant Life would have, have kept everyone that's come through those doors, and those doors over there, these doors here, if we would have kept them all... How many services on Sunday do you think we'd have to have to hold everybody? You know what I'm saying? Just think about that. Some have come and gone because they weren't sent here by the Lord. Some have come and gone because they got out of the will of God and became offended and left. But here's the thing. For a pastor to hold everybody... And to keep everybody that comes through the doors of that church, in order to do that, that pastor will eventually have to compromise the truth in order to do that. You can't keep everybody that comes through the doors of a church unless you're willing to compromise the truth with certain individuals. And you know me. You've all been around me long enough. And I'm telling you, you know, that the, 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 the temptation, the enemy brings that temptation. Why don't you ease up a little bit, you know? I mean, hey, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I just I'm just trying to preach and teach what the Holy Spirit lays on my heart and what he, what he wants me to teach and preach. But we are not, there's we're not gonna, we're not gonna compromise the truth of the word of God for the sake of attendance. We're not gonna do that. We're not going to do that. So when truth offends people, we don't... We, when truth... Now listen. When truth, the, the truth... Here was Jesus preaching the truth. He offended these people. The disciples said, you've offended them. Basically, they were said, you need to go apologize. And Jesus said, let them alone. Let them go. They're not planted of my Father. The truth has uprooted them and rooted them out. And so when truth offends people, we don't grieve over those that truth offends, but we continue to preach the truth and continue to feed the ones, the flock, that God has set in the church for us to feed the Word of God to. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. That's the way it works. Some leaders avoid confrontation because they're afraid of... I, listen, I'm going to tell you, I, I do not like confrontation. I said that to somebody here a while back, and they said, yeah, that's the part of your job I wouldn't like. I don't like it either. <laughs> but, but so many pastors don't like confrontation. They don't like to confront issues and don't like to confront people. Uh-huh. I don't think... I don't really don't think any pastor... Likes to do that, but they'll avoid confrontation many times, and avoid offending someone with the truth, especially if if they if they think or know that those individuals are big givers in the church. Or if those individuals are very influential over other people within the church or in the community, because if if you deal with this, here's the thing pastors have to have to weigh out. Okay, if you deal with this issue, they're friends with them and their families here, and all of this. And if you offend them and they get mad and leave, who are they gonna take with them? Are you listening to what I'm saying tonight? This is just, you know, we're we're just talking out of the Word and out of our heart. But those are issues you have to deal with. So, you know, so a lot of pastors are afraid of hurting someone's feelings. They're afraid of of offending someone. So they avoid the conversation and and let things go. And and many times it's, it's worse to let the situation go than it is to deal with it in the way the Holy Spirit would have us to deal with it. Oh, man, i got too much stuff here. But pastors who grieve and mourn over people who leave a church or who refuse to confront members because maybe they're their friends end up with the anointing in their life running dry as well because God can't bless in a situation like that. So so here's the thing. I guess here's the bottom line on this point. hope I've explained it where you can understand it. But here's the thing. And we see it from the ministry of Jesus. The reason He was a rock of offense to many is because He presented the truth and He told them the way it was and He told them what they had to do to be right. Some believed Him and obeyed Him and accepted that. But some were offended and said no and they rejected him, and he became a rock of offense to them. But still, Jesus set the example, and he did not, he did not compromise the truth to try to keep someone from being offended by the truth. Can, can you see that? My, my, myself I wouldn't ever ever do anything within myself to hurt or to offend or to sin against anybody or do anybody wrong but if but when it comes to the truth of telling them if they're in the wrong about something and I've got to correct it with the truth and if that offends them it just has to offend them right. if it's something that God the Holy Ghost gives to me a direction this church has to go in that God tells me as, as the leader as the pastor then you know, people that, that don't agree with that and get offended with that. That's just the way that it is. Doesn't make me a dictator. It makes me the under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ. If, if God's going to direct this church, He's not going to do it through, and thank God for our deacons. we got some great deacons on our on our board, but He's not going to direct this church through a deacon board. That's not even biblical or scriptural. He will do it through that pastor. Praise God. Help me, Jesus. That's why you've got to have confidence in your leadership. That's why pastors have to pray and keep the mind of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And many ministries die because they've chosen to choose their relationship with men over their relationship with God. Now, let me, let me hurry here. Jesus did not react to any of the men who left Him. You notice that in His ministry. His only delight, Jesus' only delight, was to do the will of the Father. That was His, that was his thing. He, he, he came to do the will of the Father... And those that didn't agree with that, and those that were offended with that, Jesus didn't react to their offense. Jesus, here's the thing about Jesus. He would not be controlled by anybody else. He was only controlled by His... He was led by the Spirit. He was controlled by the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke the truth even if it meant confrontation, even if if it meant offense. And see, here's the thing today. If we desire the approval of men... If we desire the approval of men, then God, we can't have God's anointing. Those two don't go together. The approval of man and the anointing of God don't go together. We've got to speak the Word of God. We've got to do the will of God constantly, even at the risk of offending others. So Jesus offended the religious leaders. He was a rock of offense to them. Jesus offended those in His own hometown of Nazareth, the people that He grew up with. He was a rock of offense to them as well, wasn't He? When He went back to Nazareth and revealed who He was in the synagogue on that day, and they said, who do you think you are? You grew up around here, boy. You know, who gave you this authority? But He, he read it from the Scripture. He, he showed them who He was. He did not compromised the truth there in the city of Nazareth in his own hometown. And they got so offended and so upset with him and so mad at him because of who he declared he was that they even carried him out to a hill and tempted to throw him off a cliff and kill him. That's how mad he made them. I didn't have anybody to try to throw me off the church or anything yet. But... <laughs> But he offended those in his own hometown. Listen, Jesus, Jesus I'm talking about the rock of offense. Jesus offended the members of his own family. They came they came they came looking for him. They thought he was beside himself. The members of his own family thought Jesus had lost his mind. They did. They said, we gotta get him home. He's making everybody mad. He's mad. He's got the, you know, he's getting kicked out of synagogues. Nobody in Nazareth likes him anymore. He's a little bit beside himself. And they even said that about him. I mean, his own brothers, you know, Jesus had siblings after Jesus was the firstborn of Mary, the Virgin Mary. But then after Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph had other kids, had several other kids. I mean, uh, the Catholic Church is wrong on this. Amen. She didn't remain a virgin after the birth of Jesus. And Jesus had had, had um, several uh, sib- siblings and um, half-brothers. And uh, do you know what? That none of them believed that he was who he said he was either until after the resurrection, after his resurrection. His own family didn't believe. He, they were offended at him. They thought he was crazy professing who he was. But listen, Jesus was not looking for the acceptance of his, of his family. Family. And Jesus was not to be controlled by the desires of His family. And here's where it gets down to where the rubber meets the road. Because if you're going to be the disciple whom Jesus has called you to be, there's going to be times you will even offend your own family, your own flesh and blood, your own kids, your own, your own siblings. You will offend them when you take a stand for Jesus. He's a rock of all and he came to bring separation in many occasions. I don't want nobody to dislike me. You know, I don't want nobody to be upset with me. None of us do. But when it comes to Jesus, he's got to be first and foremost and number one and we got to love him more than anybody else. Amen. Amen whether he had the approval of his family or not he had to have the approval of the Heavenly Father but you know there was one thing about his family they didn't believe on him they, they, they thought he's crazy until after the resurrection and then every one of them believed on him and everyone oh glory to God every one of his siblings was in that upper room on the day of Pentecost even Mary his mama was there on the day of Pentecost and they all got baptized in the Holy Ghost and every single one of them spoke in tongues and he his half-brother James became the pastor of the great church at the, in the city of Jerusalem. And his brother Jude wrote the epistle that we know as the epistle of Jude. I'm telling you what, he wasn't afraid to offend them with the truth, but praise God, it paid off. All of them came into the kingdom of God. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Jesus even offended his own staff members. John chapter 6. He preached a hard message in John 6. And he run everybody there off. Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. Everybody left him. He told them, except you drink my, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. They couldn't handle that. They said, We're out of here. See you later. They were offended at him. And listen, his disciples, it said that many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more after that. And Jesus said to the twelve, Now, here, listen. He says, he points, he, 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 his whole church is left. He's got 12 left, his, his original 12. His only ones left. He said, you guys want to go too? You all want to go? That's what he said. Peter said, oh, no, no, no. We ain't going nowhere. You're the one who got the words of eternal life. Where in the world would we go? But the point was, Jesus Stood for the truth no matter what or who it offended. He offended his closest friends, Mary and Martha. He spent a lot of time in their home in Bethany and with their brother Lazarus. And when Lazarus got sick, they sent word to him and said, He'll be right here. He's good, He's, he loves us. And he didn't show up. Jesus waited. They said, he whom you love is sick. And Jesus just stayed where he was, waited until Lazarus died. And then when he got there, it's four days, Lazarus been in the grave, Mary and Martha both upset. They're offended. If you'd have been here, that's the first thing they said to him. They're accusing him. If you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. It's all your fault. You ain't a very good pastor. You'd have been here. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Jesus was being led by the Holy Spirit. But you know how that worked out. Everything turned out all right, didn't it? Praise God. Oh, help me, Jesus. Jesus offended John the Baptist. Didn't he? John the Baptist, his forerunner, gets locked up in prison for preaching. Gets locked up in prison for preaching the truth. He offend, John the Baptist offended Herodias with his truth. She puts him in prison. John's thinking, no big deal. Jesus can get me out of here. And he didn't do it. He's staying there in that prison. And John's beginning to wonder. And John finally sends a, a, a couple of his disciples, said, you go ask that dude if he's really the one. I mean, you got to think this is John. This is John who, who stood... On the, on the shores of the Jordan River and pointed at Jesus said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And now he's in prison. He said, I don't know if he's the one or not. You go find out. He's, you know, see, John was a little bit offended at Jesus because he didn't do something. And Jesus said, Go tell John the things you've seen and heard. You know the story. But then Jesus gives one of the forgotten Beatitudes there. And he said, and You tell John, you tell John everything you've seen. He healed the sick. He he opened the eyes of the blind, made the lame to walk. And what he was doing was pointing John back to Isaiah 35, the fulfillments of what the Messiah would do. And he said, you tell John, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Listen, listen. We can't be offended with the truth, with the preaching, amen. We can't be offended with Jesus. And I read that scripture to you last week that those who love the law, blessed are those who love the law, and said that nothing shall offend them. That's a powerful verse. Amen. All right. I guess I'll quit. Praise God. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you so much. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for helping us, Lord, for teaching us the Word of God tonight. Our prayer, Lord, in, in this service tonight is that you will, will just help each and every one of us to, to understand to understand that that we need You and we need Your truth. And we need correction in our life. Every one of us needs Your correction. And Lord, help us to be open to receive that correction without, without the truth offending us, without Jesus, without being offended at You or what You want to do in our lives. That we wouldn't be offended at You, Lord, when things happen in our lives that we don't understand. That we wouldn't blame you for the troubles of the trials of the problems that would come our way. Don't let offense take a hold, Lord, in our lives in any way, but keep this church free from it. I, I believe everyone here tonight is, but keep this church, each of us, free from the bait and the trap of offense in our lives tonight.